Hey, listeners, just a quick reminder. We're here to entertain and educate. You know, we discuss medical topics, and yes, we have a licensed doctor. But it's not a substitute for personalized medical advice. So for any health care concerns, consult your primary care physician or a local health care provider. Now, let's dive in and enjoy the show. All right, Robert, I got to tell you a funny story before we begin. It started with a simple doctor's appointment for a routine blood test. Easy peasy, right? Sure. <laughs> I was expecting a quick in and out. Just a little poke, a few vials of blood, and off I go. But let me tell you, this trip to the doctor's office turned out to be anything but normal. And as I strolled into the waiting room, I found myself surrounded by a, well, let's just say they looked a lot more odd than the characters in the Star Wars cantina scene. (laughs) (laughs) Was it the same music? Yeah, nearly. And the real spectacle awaited me when I spotted the one available seat right next to someone who could be the potential love interest of a young Jabba the Hutt. Uh oh. <laughs> sorry, I know that's. And it a, wasn't Princess Leia. <laughs> uh-huh. Picture this a lady, round and proud, rocking a halter top and shorts like nobody's business. Yeah. Okay, but hold your horses. Cause, <laughs> uh, oh no. Because the oddness was just getting started. She had her little baby slung upside down over her shoulder nursing away like a snoozing bat <laughs> in the waiting room yeah which For, is which in and of itself is not unusual sure but, sure but yeah not usually upside down uh, over the shoulder upside down yeah uh-huh. that that's the key mm-hmm. and to top it off she was gracefully shaving her face with her free hand like with a razor with a razor <laughs> old school big plastic razor <laughs> uh. talk about talent folks <laughs> now with my heart pounding I mustered up the courage to take the seat beside this nursing shaving beautifully rotund woman but here's the twist Robert there's a twist to that yes <laughs> okay okay There was a reason why no one else had claimed the spot next to her. Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. It wasn't the unique nursing technique or the skin aprons hanging over her halter top, which were two sizes too small, mind you. It was something far more fragrant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And like the cantina scene, it was an otherworldly odor. Mm. That wafted from her person, defying all attempts to be masked by the county's health regulations. (laughs) Right? Because we all still have to wear masks in a medical facility. No KN95 could have blocked this. Delicious. Mm. So, I I mean, seriously, I couldn't fathom what it was like to exist in this aromatic cloud. Doesn't sound very nice. No, no. And I just thought, you know, I'm pretty empathetic Sure, I might be a little judgy, but how does one end up in such a situation? You know, here she was, a master of ambidextry, yet seemingly allergic to good old-fashioned showers. 
And so before you wag your finger at me for being judgy, remember this lady was taking care of another human life. And I just think this might be worth delving into the topic of weight and weight control today. Well, I think it it's pretty appropriate. I mean, yes, it sounds like a fairly bizarre situation. Usually, at least not in my experience, have I commonly encountered the bearded woman shaving in the waiting room with the upside down baby with the crop top or halter top, two sizes too small well, and the rest all, of it. All fairness, <laughs> she wasn't bearded. I think these were errant hairs. Okay. <laughs> a flutter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I moved too far. Um, but yes, but I going. do think um, the topic is incredibly appropriate for today uh, as we do deal with kind of the obesity problem in uh, a large part of Western civilization, especially in the United States. And so I'm sure she is not unique in the sense of being overweight. And it may be that the odor was not from a lack of showering. I don't know if she, you described a little bit of some of the folds. Yes. But if she did have what are those a large called, by the way? apron, yeah. particularly in the abdomen, uh, you know, a large kind of fat fold that drops down over the belly into the kind of over the pelvis area is called a panis. 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 P-A-N-N-U-S. Panis. Yes. Okay. So a panis is that, as you describe it, sort of that fatty apron um, that comes from being quite overweight, oh, wow. um, usually in the abdominal area, but you can have other pani. <laughs> Multiple. <laughs> yeah, panises. Um, but um, one of the things that can often happen when someone who's struggling with weight and has developed a panis <laughs> is that, as you might imagine, that skin fold area beneath the panis um, oh, no. is a breeding ground for infection, particularly fungus or yeast. Because uh, yeast love, um, and all fungus for the most part, love dark, moist areas. So we think of vaginal yeast infections. You think of athlete's foot, you know, jock itch, things like that are all kind of in enclosed, sweaty type of areas where that can, you know, sort of fester. And right, so a dear, panis... Dear listener, <laughs> I hope you're not eating right now. <laughs> um, so a panis can do that, That's can provide that same sort of environment. And so if she has been struggling with sort of chronic yeast or infection in that area, that could be part of the odor as well. So, uh, Eric, I think we should talk a little bit about other options uh, regarding weight loss besides just lifestyle management and diet. Okay. Um, like what? Well, we know that it can only go so far. Um, I mean, lifestyle changes as far as exercise and sort of better daily habits um, and dieting, um, and even, you know, not dieting, but changing your overall uh, eating habits as we talked about um, earlier, um, you know, is uh, often not successful. Um, if, if people could simply just um, lose weight by willpower, uh, then it would not be the rampant issue that it is today. Um, but there's a lot more going on uh, with people trying to lose weight and get healthy uh, than just simply saying, okay, you know, I'm going to draw this line in the sand, I'm going to diet, I'm going to exercise, and then everything just happens magically. And so there are people out there that have been trying 
to change their lifestyle through exercise and diet for decades and have been really unsuccessful with it. Um, but now, um, over the last several years, with increasing uh, efficacy, um, has been uh, medications that we can use. So I'd like to talk a little bit more maybe about sort of the medicine options of, of helping people to lose weight. I think that's fine. What what I would challenge you is why is it challenging? Why is it challenging for certain individuals, say, versus others? That might be helpful. Meaning, I, I've heard of issues of is it like pituitary issues, hypo versus hyper um, issues in the way in which people uh, process food. That may help frame the conversation versus say someone like myself who I just. I slip sometimes and I might overeat when I know I probably shouldn't. Sure. Well, uh, that brings up a good point. And and maybe we can divide that into a couple of different categories. So there are people that have certain types of metabolic disorders that are going to end up overweight. Um, And one of the ones I think maybe you were alluding to would actually be hypothyroidism. So your thyroid gland, which sits in the front of your neck, kind of by your, you know, in the front of your throat, Um, produces thyroid hormone, which helps to regulate your body's metabolism. And so if your thyroid gland is underactive, what we call hypothyroidism, um, then your metabolism is underactive. You're not going to burn calories the way you normally should. And so one of the things that can happen is that you get overweight. People don't necessarily need weight loss drugs or other things to correct that, though. We just need to supplement them with extra thyroid hormone. And so there are medical issues that, yes, can lead to being overweight, but they're correctable uh, in and of themselves. Um, And hopefully then people will return to a more kind of normal body mass uh, that we talked about. So that that just to be clear, um, they can those individuals can receive a a form of medication, in this case, a hormone therapy. Right. um, And they can get to arguably a normal life, um, meaning they can get to some level of diet where they're not going overweight. Yes. And, you know, I mean, the weight is still there, so they'll have to lose that weight Ah, that they gained. Thank you. um, But their metabolic uh, rate will return to normal so that they shouldn't continue to to gain that weight. Okay. Now, of course, a lot of people, you know, come in looking for the easy fix and people will come in and they're overweight or the other one would be tired. And the first thing they say is like, I'm sure I'm hypothyroid. Please just check my thyroid hormone level. Um, and all I need is some thyroid hormone and my life will be better. And invariably, their thyroid levels are always normal. <laughs> so um, yeah. there are those that are already well aware of the fact that this could be a possibility. Um, but it's, it's not common um, you know, as far as that being sort of the leading cause of someone to be morbidly obese. It's not common. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hypothyroidism... You know, it kind of falls in that middle ground. It's not common, but it's not rare. Um, and so we do see it, you know, sometimes. But usually people are going to have lots of other symptoms as well. If they've gained significant weight, they're going to notice other effects on their metabolism, particularly chronic fatigue and other things, if, if indeed that's the issue. But there are probably hormonal and other metabolic disorders that science has yet to really fully uh, comprehend and elucidate that have to do with why someone gets overweight. And I think that's why some of the newer medications that are out there, like these GLP-1 agonists like Ozempic, which we can touch on in a minute, and others are successful because they are now starting to act at sort of digestive level and hormones and proteins that 
we didn't really understand it all before. And so there probably are a lot of people out there that do have other types of hormonal issues that we've never been able to measure or understand. And we're now just kind of coming to grasp with them. So it's not about being lazy. It's not about poor exercise or poor diet. I can't count the number of times that people come in and they're like, I just don't understand why I'm gaining so much weight. You know, and they lay out sort of what my diet looks like. And, you know, they may be vegetarian and they're not, even with vegetarian, their calories are great and they're exercising and yet they continue to gain weight. Um, and so a lot of times it has to do with insulin resistance and satiety. Their, their brain is not telling them, you know, when to stop eating uh, as other people would. And so some of these medications that we have available now sort of target those areas and help people to be able to return to a more kind of healthy style of eating. Okay. I'm predisposed to have this hormonal challenge. Mm-hmm. Is it hypothyroidism? Mm-hmm. Sure. And then there's this newer category where you know, nutritional science is just on the fore of understanding, which is getting to what Ozempic might be able to help, which is this idea of, hey, I'm actually full, or at least understanding how to regulate satiety, right? Right. And so there's more to it than, than simply the, the feeling of being full. But, okay. but let's back up and talk a little bit about Ozembic. And it's, it's surely not the only drug you know, out there, but it's probably the one that's... The GLP-1s of yes, the world. Right. And there's at least a half dozen, if not more, of them out on the market. Okay. Ozembic seems to be the one most commonly known, I think, at this point, probably because of their advertising. Um, and Are you sing the jingle for us? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to you. Okay. Um, but why is that one gaining popularity? Is this because like Hollywood starlets are using it? What's, what's going exactly. on Exactly. So one, they have a great advertising campaign and the jingle is what it is. Um, and if you watch TV at all, you're, you're going to see it. Um, but, and if you also look at social media and other press, Ozempic now is sort of labeled as the you know, the Hollywood drug or the weight loss drug for, you know, the rich and famous. Um, and I'm the first, you know, to, you know, be able to, to poo poo or bash or judge lots of fad diets and stuff, particularly if they're not healthy. And my first instinct on this was sort of the same, like, oh, great, here's just another weird thing that, you know, the rich and famous are doing to, you know, to look better in the world of the public. Um, but this is probably a little bit different in the sense that these medications do help to lose weight, but they have a lot of other healthy benefits. I mean, their primary use is in treating diabetes. So they help uh, increase the amount of insulin that you produce. They help slow the movement of food from the stomach into the intestine so that you do have an increased sense of feeling full. They have minimal really adverse effects on the body, although you might crap yourself uh, you might throw up a lot. Just like how I felt when I was in the waiting room sitting next to that smell. <laughs> so GI side effects are probably the biggest uh, with Ozembic. Um, GI meaning gastrointestinal. Gastrointestinal, right. Yeah, okay. So um, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Um, I would say if there's anything that stops people from wanting to take these medicines, it's that and the fact that you have to do a shot. Is that long term or is that just the initial side effects? Um, for most people, it goes away mm, uh, okay. after they use it for a few weeks or so. Yeah, the shot's kind of a big, uh, 
deterrent for me. Yeah, there's case. a lot of needle phobic people out there. Um, <laughs> but on the plus side for it, it's just dosed once a week. And it's a subcutaneous injection, meaning that it, it only just goes beneath the skin into the right. little fatty tissue layer. It's not going into your muscle like you might get a big shot at the doctor's office for an antibiotic shot or something like that. Right. Um, so I think for the most part, people tolerate it fine. And you can either draw it up yourself and give you a shot or they come in little auto pens. So you just put it up to your belly, push a little button, and it just pops it in oh, for you. Okay. So it, I've not found that that's been a huge barrier for a lot of people, but those GI side effects can sometimes get in the way. The other issue and why we kind of circle back to the Hollywood thing though, is the cost. Mm. And so unfortunately, often these drugs are of the sort of rich and famous or privileged um, because they're friggin' expensive. And uh, the insurance company has not yet caught up to the health benefits necessarily, the preventative health benefits so hopefully with time, they'll, they'll cover these better. But now a lot of people can't afford them unless they have a diagnosis of diabetes, in which case insurance companies will cover them. But for weight loss itself, they often will not. Is there anything in the non-medicinal, say surgical? Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, where, you know, where I work, we have a whole area of specialty you know, that's focused on weight loss services. And there's two branches one is the medical weight loss side of a lot of what we've just been talking about. But for those people that, for whatever reason, can't do that, either they can't tolerate the medicines or for some reason their diets don't allow them to, to do that, or they're significantly overweight enough that they can't engage in regular exercise because it, their body just won't let them um, because it hurts too much or they're just not that agile, then surgical options do become you know, uh, what's probably needed. And so often once you start getting above BMIs of over 40 or 50 for sure, I think those do become a realistic and viable option. We call bariatric surgery, um, then become options. They're definitely higher risk, um, but also maybe higher reward uh, where, you know, we talk a, a little bit about Ozempic and lifestyle changes. Somebody may lose, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 or more pounds or so we're talking about 100 pounds or more you know, weight loss when you start looking at surgical options. So for people that are significantly overweight and need to lose you know, probably in excess of 100 pounds, diet and exercise often is difficult. And so surgical options can be quite helpful. Is there been, in your experience, someone over 400 pounds that you've had to deal with? Yeah, of course. There are a lot of people that are over 400 pounds. Okay. Um, so this is not just in the realm of reality TV shows. There, This is no pretty common. Yeah. I don't know about common, but, but kind of uh, once again, yeah. as we talked about before, it's not rare. It's, it's not, not uncommon. Rare. Got it. Yes, I've experienced 400, 500 plus range. Often our scales max out at a certain point. You'll just get a plus, plus, plus. You know, and so we may not necessarily know, um, but people, you know, with BMIs, you know, between 40 to 50 is not rare. And those people do often succeed well with kind of surgical techniques. Now they do have their own potential risk. The vast majority of people do quite well. So let's, I want to return back to that panis because. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> not because I want to return to the smell, but you you had me thinking about visually how one has to would lift up the fold and, and they'd have to clean that. I would imagine these individuals of that size, how do they keep that clean? I imagine they get sores or lesions because of that. Or you Exactly. Educate. Probably just like, you know, this 
person who you encountered in the waiting room uh, with the smell, they probably were dealing with, as we mentioned, yeast or some other type of infection. And anytime you have skin folds rubbing against each other, you'll have that friction and you could get ulcerations in the skin, skin breakdown, then secondary bacterial infections or what we call necrosis, you know, where mm. the fatty layer, I mean, lots of bad things can happen. Yeah. Um, and so even, you know, what ends up happening in those situations, particularly if people lose weight. So even if you don't have a panis, so to speak, and you're significantly overweight, when that weight goes away, particularly for those that have done bariatric type surgeries, they're left with these big flaps of skin, right. you yeah. know, afterwards. And so it does take, you know, some sort of surgery afterwards to remove that panis and that excessive skin so that they don't continue to have those type of skin infection and other issues. Okay, Robert, we got a ton of questions here, but I think they all hit on the same sentiment. And this one is from Ryan out of Mukotio. And he says, um, hey, doc, you know, my wife is, I won't use the B word here, but complaining (laughs) (laughs) about, you know, my weight. And look, I feel fine. But what do I got to worry about if I have an extra 10 15, 20 pounds. (laughs) And thanks, Ryan, for your question. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, So I think it it tags uh, back to a little bit of the idea of what's the difference between looking overweight or being big versus are there really health issues related to this? And so, Ryan, you know, I don't know totally what your size is or what your BMI is, but you know, if your wife's concerned that you're overweight, I mean, maybe she just doesn't like the way you look and, you know, you're not turning her on like she wants you to. Wow, you went right there. <laughs> but <laughs> reminds me of that old uh, joke of this, get off me, you're crushing my cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going <laughs> to but I'm going to assume that that's not the issue. OK, yeah. Um, and that she actually cares about your health. Yeah. Um, and so, Ryan, there are a lot of reasons why you should care about being overweight. Um, weight has probably an effect on every single organ system in your body and can cause a problem. Um, you know, typically we'll think of, oh yeah, well, the most common would be my cardiovascular system. If you're overweight, you know, there's a good chance that you're going to have other types of issues like high triglycerides and high cholesterol that can lead to plugging up of your arteries to your heart called the coronary arteries and increase your risk of heart attack could increase your risk of stroke because of clogging up of the arteries that bring blood flow to your brain. It could lead to clogging up of the arteries to your penis, leading to erectile dysfunction, which you know we've talked about in previous episodes. Those are all vascular issues that can happen from just being overweight. But there are things like sleep apnea. So we know that the heavier you get, the thicker your neck gets, the more pressure that puts on your airway, and the more likely you are to not breathe properly at night and maybe even stop breathing. And that can lead to a multitude of, of medical problems in and of itself, including being fatigued during the day and cardiovascular disease and all sorts of other issues. So there's a lot of reasons to look at your weight. And if it turns out that, hey, you know, I'm just a big guy and we do a, a physical and some lab work and other things and everything looks great, and so be it. But I think it's probably worth the effort to make sure that your weight has, isn't leading to sort of pre-diabetes that we could intervene on early, some early elevations in your cholesterol numbers that we couldn't intervene on early, or other potential risk factors 
for chronic disease that we might be able to identify. Yeah, that reminds me, Robert, of uh, an old colleague I had many years ago where his wife warned him and she said, Brent, just don't get a dicky-doo. Are you familiar with the dicky-doo? I'm not familiar with the dicky-doo. It's, it's a medical term. You should know it. <laughs> She's like, if your belly becomes a dicky-doo, that means if it sticks out more than your dicky-doo, you're too fat. <laughs> <laughs> I think I failed that class in medical school. <laughs> but no, thanks for the question, Ryan. And from us at Bedside Manor, keep going. Keep fighting that fat fight because you got this. I'm Eric Moore, and we'll see you in traffic.